that, that doesn't even make sense, really. But yeah, that's part of my job. I don't only do that. But I, I don't know if you had the same experience uh, this last week after Thanksgiving. Y'all had a good Thanksgiving. Was it all right? Did you? Um, we did the we did the Whole Foods turkey. Did anybody else do that? You did it. You know what I'm talking about. You get Whole Foods, 100 bucks. They make your turkey, everything, and you just go pick it up. So uh, they're in trouble next year because I think some people just said, hey, we're doing that next year. We just played games. We didn't cook at all. Uh, but uh, we had lots of leftovers, 20-pound turkey, got to tell you. Um, but we were full, and as soon as Thanksgiving was finished, uh, my wife and I turned to each other and said, we need a Christmas tree right away because uh, it's got to happen. We've got, we're first time we've ever been in our house, so we got this beautiful Christmas tree uh, on Black Friday, um, the, the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, I don't know, do you guys know what the weather was like on Black Friday around here? Uh, so my wife and I still went to get a Christmas tree. We were the only people in a Christmas tree lot, and it was torrential rain. Uh, my shoes are still wet from that day. And so we did get the Christmas tree, and then we went and got the lights set up on the house, which was really fun on that day. So, so the first part of the morning was getting the Christmas tree set up. And, and uh, the second half of the day was uh, me in a tree, uh, 30 feet up, trying to figure out how to hang the lights. It was very precarious and fun and dangerous. I, I realized I kind of like extreme sports. I didn't know that I was an enthusiast. So hanging Christmas tree lights, I'm, that doesn't mean you can ask me to do yours. I'm done. Uh, so I... It was, a, it was a good experience. But then the next day, we decided we have to see Santa Claus. I mean, we have these two daughters. So uh, one of my daughters would not see Santa Claus. Uh, it was the older one. But the younger one, her eyes were closed. So she didn't actually technically see Santa Claus. But, um, but she will know that she visited Santa Claus years from now. Uh, but the older daughter was uh, mortally afraid of Santa Claus. So we went to the mall, the one with the carousel down the road. And, uh, and so we went on the carousel instead. And instead of getting a picture next to Santa Claus, we got a picture. Her fa- she chose to get a picture in one of the store windows. And so she would actually, she, she got five or six, but this is just one of them. Uh, so, so every year, maybe it'll be her tradition to take a picture next to mannequins and her sister's tradition to take a picture next to Santa Claus. So whatever, it's going to work out. And then, uh, I don't know, I thought this picture would go on the front cover of the LA Times because this would be, uh, this is what happened later. Uh, I decided while everybody was still shopping to go check out one of the massage chairs. And uh, they're only two bucks for 10 minutes of really kind of scary massage. It was really painful. Um, but apparently the, the profuse, uh, the excessive movement put my daughter to sleep as well. And, and I now know why this, my father-in-law took this picture while I was getting my massage. And I now know why people were walking by and saying, Oh, cute. I thought it was because of me getting a massage, but now I realize it's probably because my daughter was completely passed out. Doesn't it feel like the preparations have already begun? And it's a little bit exhausting if you, if you get, <laughs> you, you end up like this in a, in a, in a public space, <laughs> getting a massage with, with a baby that might fall out of your arm. Um, it, the, the preparations have already begun, haven't they? And, uh, and, and it's, it's hard to believe. And, and we have this great, series this year called The Greatest Gift, and the theme of the series is obviously the greatest gift is Jesus Christ, and and over the course of the next few weeks leading up to Christmas, we will be having an insane amount of preparation for Christmas Day. For example, today, we have the Advent, Advent workshop downstairs, and it's an opportunity for you to participate with your family or by yourself with the church family uh, in in making crafts that will help to communicate uh, Christ's message, the message of uh, Christ's coming into the world um, and the preparation for Christ. There's actually a great one led by Lisa Lamb and Rich Lamb. 
It's an uh, Advent wreath-making workshop in which it'll last four weeks, but this is the first week. You'll get a wreath, and you'll get all of the messages of Christmas communicated to you through that workshop. Uh, but that's not it. You know, I feel like one of those uh, infomercials where they say, and there's more, right? You know, they all say, and there's more. Next Sunday at 10, 11, 15 a.m., there will be more preparation because there will be this uh, great children's cantata, which if you haven't been to this church a long time, cantata means nothing to you, probably, like it did to me. It just means like a kid's pageant, a Christmas pageant. And it'll be beautiful, all, all singing. And it's 11.15, so you can double dip. You can come to this service at 9 next week, and then you can double dip and go to the pageant at 11.15. And then if you haven't had enough that day, you can go to the Christmas tree lighting, the first ever Christmas tree lighting. Later today, we're having professionals, because I've seen it when non-professionals hang lights. Uh, we're having professionals light this tree from top to bottom in the courtyard. And then next Sunday at 5 p.m., you're going to have an opportunity to invite all your neighbors to come prepare with us and sing carols for a few minutes, drink hot chocolate at 5 o'clock. And th- did I say it's 5? Yeah, 5 o'clock. And then we'll be able to um, really kind of get into that mood so that we're preparing for Christmas. Do you know when the first preparations for Christmas started? I think I already gave away this, right? 700 years in advance. 700 years. So if you think it's exhausting to prepare for four, mo- four weeks, think about 700 years. That's a long time to wait for Christmas Day. But that's what happened. See, God delivered a message or a vision to the prophet Isaiah at a time when people were not doing so well. When it felt like Jerusalem was kind of like a suburb to the rest of everything that was going on in the world. It didn't feel like the people of God were really all that important in the course of world history. And in fact, they were being oppressed and their, their situation was violent and, and awful. And Isaiah comes in with this vision from God that has been given to him of the future. Of what will be the future. And this, this is the message that Isaiah gives to the people. It's in Isaiah 1 through 5. And uh, it's, it'll be projected up here on the screen. And it starts out, and I'll explain this first opening piece. Um, Isaiah 2, 1 through 5. Actually, people, some people think that this verse actually belongs to the part that goes before it. But since it's in our lectionary, since it's in the part of the text that we are studying along with one million other churches today, that's true. We study these texts along with all, all these other churches in the world. It develops a wonderful unity. Not just Presbyterians, Christians all over the world study this verse today. And so this verse uh, is part of the lectionary, but it helps us understand uh, who's direct, who this is directed to. It says, the word that Isaiah, son of Amos. Uh, I think that's just so that we know that there's a real person. It's not made up. This is a guy who's part of a family. He's got a dad named Amos. Um, and he saw, this is the word of the, that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now, I love that, well, I'm going to go back for a second. I love that he, you'd think he heard the word, right? But I love that word. He saw the word concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And Judah and Jerusalem, in your mind, you're thinking those are, geographic places. Those are uh, people who live in a specific area. But if you understand that at the time, that was the totality of the people of God. They were living in Judah and Jerusalem. They really pretty much weren't anywhere else. So when you wanted to talk about the people of God, you would say, this is the word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. This, 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 this is the people of God. And it goes on to say, this is amazing. Uh, this is a mozzing. Uh, okay, in the days to come, we need a drum. Can you jump up? No, it's not. No, you, you could do a drum. 
I need that. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest, highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. The house of Jacob, O house of Jacob, come let us walk in the light of the Lord. Now, to give a little bit of background, when when the verse starts saying that in the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All nations shall stream to it. One thing to note is that it, it is not the highest of mountains right now. It never has been until this point the highest of mountains. It actually is lower than the Mount of Olives, which is to the east of it. When they talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ in the Bible, they talk about the sun coming up. They, they talk about Jesus Christ himself coming up almost like the sun over this is the resurrection the second resurrection this is when jesus will come again he's coming up over the mount of olives you can imagine that's where they look every every morning for something new so so there's still people that go up to the temple every morning and they look out east for the sunrise to see to wait for jesus christ second coming it's a beautiful thought these are people who who have all the hope and it's real hope it's not the highest. In fact, there's a picture of it uh, to give you a little sense. It seems that some people have even decided that they want to build skyscrapers higher than the Temple Mount. They w it reminds you almost of these cities here uh, in the States where you have these grand cathedrals in New York City, if you've ever been. And, and even in some of the areas of Los Angeles, you'll see these big towering skyscrapers starting to drown out the steeples and the spires of, of, of the churches. Uh, the, you'll find a have you ever done that? Gone into London or, or, or turned a corner and found a, an amazing cathedral that must have been the biggest thing in, in the city. And, and now, so this is the Temple Mount. That is uh, the Dome of Gibraltar. That's a mosque that's now on the Temple Mount. But you can see that the Temple Mount itself is much lower than, um, than the surrounding hills. So it would take quite a miracle for this, this mountain to be raised up above all other mountains. But remember, we are talking about Judah in Jerusalem. He was addressing Judah, Jerusalem, the faithful people of God. So if you're talking about that as well, you're understanding that he might be talking also about the people and the foundation on the faith in which they've planted their foundation, which is Jesus Christ. So when you've planted, when, when the mountain of, of the house of the Lord becomes Jesus Christ, you suddenly are raised up above all other cities and all other mountains in the world. So there's, there's uh, Paul always talked about an already and not yet. There's this already that we've, we've been placed upon Jesus Christ, but there's this not yet of we're waiting for the physical mountain to do this miraculous thing in the future, if that's what Isaiah was talking about. But there's two things that I'd like us to, to pull out of this message today. And, and the, the big message is let's go. It's the let's go message. Now, the first let's go is let's go to God. 
If you click it one more time, it'll it'll magically appear. This is a new technology today. There you go. Is that amazing? It's pretty. We're every week we try to do one better thing in this in this church and worship. Um, the first let's go is let's go to God, and the second let's go is let's go with God. Watch how this plays out inside this verse. You're gonna like it. Many peoples, it says again, shall come and say say come. Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. Now, we have started this series called The Greatest Gift. I love this series because the image that you're going to be having in your mind throughout the series is that of a Christmas tree. Imagine yourself on Christmas morning. You've, you've had your presents open. Most of the, all of the presents have been opened underneath the tree. Okay? And there's one present left. Everybody has received a present in the room. But there's one present left. And you, and you don't know who it's addressed to. And you lean in a little closer. And you find out. Now, if you haven't already received a present, you, re, you find out that it's for you. But if you've already received a present, you look in and you lean in and you find out that it's for your neighbor. You find out that it has your neighbor's name on the present. So you have the option. Ah, let's just go have dinner. Who cares? There's a present under the tree for a neighbor and it looks actually pretty amazing. Or... You have the opportunity to go to your neighbor's house, knock on the door, knowing that your neighbor might not, didn't receive any Christmas presents whatsoever, doesn't even know what Christmas is. But by some miracle, there's a Christmas present under the tree for your neighbor. And you knock on the door and you say, I have some good news for you. There's a Christmas present under the tree, and it's for you. Now, it's not your responsibility to open your, the present for your neighbor, right? That's your neighbor's responsibility. And when we're talking about the greatest gift, that gift that has everybody's name on it, it's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the greatest gift. And a lot of people don't know that that gift is there to be open for them, for them to receive into their life. So we're going to be nailing that message home as we talk about the greatest gift. And you're going to have the opportunity ahead of time to be telling a lot of people, come, let us see, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord so that we may learn and so that we may walk in his paths. What an amazing idea that we have this opportunity. Now, I want to emphasize one word. I want to focus in on one word that just totally skipped by me when I was reading it. Look at this. Look at this. The let's go to God is not an option. Look what it says. Many peoples, what is it, may come and say? Let's, no, it says shall. A shall is a command. It doesn't say it's your opportunity or your option if you're a follower of God to maybe go and tell people that there's a present under the tree, that the greatest gift is available to them. No, that they can go and go to God is available to them. And to tell them about it is a shout. I love this. And you know what? A year ago, I came to this worship service and I sat in here and I, I talked to a committee of people who were saying, we have a really exciting future for this church. And I want to tell you about it because people have been really, really, really amped up about this. Reverend Griffiths and a number of the pastors on board have gotten people so excited about the future of what this church is going to be doing. And they told me about the mission of this church. And I got pumped. And ever since I've been here, I've been continually pumped up about the mission that we're all agreed to be on in this church that everybody told me that they're excited about. And the mission is to go and, and, and to be these people that are connecting with our neighbors and connecting with our friends and saying, come, let us see in everything we do. And having the kind of worship environment that we can say with confidence and, and the kind of worship uh, church environment we can say with confidence that we know that if people come, they're going to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. 
that every single day they are going to every single Sunday and every single every single small group and every single table tennis class that the good news of Jesus Christ is going to be is going to be proclaimed and every time we're going to get better at it but we understand that this is the divine prerogative this is the shall that God has given to his people even 700 years ago he said this would be our prerogative once we discovered the good news of Jesus Christ in our lives that's the mission of this church, and I'm excited about that. I hope you are too. Now, I love looking at this thing one more time, this, this text. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways. Not that James, Reverend Baird, or Reverend Griffiths may teach us his ways. It's that God will actually teach us his ways. That we are Today, you're not coming to hear my voice. I'm not delusional about that. You're coming to hear the, the word of God. You're, you're coming to hear this stuff right here. You want this, and that's what I want. And that's what everybody wants. And when you get it, you jump for joy. Your life changes. But look at, listen to what they say. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. Great. That's the go, let us go to God. That he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. I like to call this the great big that. That he may teach us his ways, and that we may learn to walk in his paths. Have you ever have you ever gone backpacking in California? Has anybody gone on the John Muir Trail? It's huge. Any been on the John? You have been on the John Muir Trail. Okay. If you're on the John Muir Trail, you, re, you realize what a lunatic this guy was. Uh, absolutely. You follow John Muir's paths. You will realize that he likes to go up and down. I would never have created a trail like this. I am the kind of guy that likes to go, let's go along the ridge a little ways and then kind of gently come down. No, John Muir was the kind of guy who's like, what's down there? And then he's like, wait, I need to see what's up there. And the trail just, it's, it's crazy. It goes all over the place. John Muir, though, also created trails that keep us secure when we're out there. When you go on the John Muir path, you know that you walk along this ledge. You can walk with pretty pretty good confidence that you are not going to fall off or that well the variable their variables are not so great that something's going to land on you right then but you walk along these paths and you know that you have a security with getting up the mountain with going up the mountain to the house of god see god has created these paths in life he has created a path and you have the opportunity to <laughs> well you can go down you can climb the mountain any way you want but this is, this is what we have the opportunity to tell people who are actually stranded up on ledges like little billy goats. They're just stuck in different parts of the mountain. And we get to say, have you ever been off of a path and then found it again? Uh, it's, it's a really good thing to find the path again. This is what it's like. It's, it's like telling someone, hey, the path is over here. And look, it's so easy to get up the mountain, well, at least relatively easy. God's path is not crazy like John Muir's path. God's, God's path makes a lot more sense. Well, sometimes, uh, I'll take that back. Sometimes it feels crazy, right? But nonetheless, you know that there's direction and you know that you are heading toward a, a place of beauty. Actually, do you want to know the other thing that comes out of this? Right after they say, come, let's go up to the mountain, to the house of God, that he may teach us, that he, that his, teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. He says, he goes on to say, Four out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. This is important because when we think about what the church is for, what worship is for, we may sometimes think about worship as being for coming and just worshiping. But actually this tells us that there's a very specific reason for worship. 
And it is ascending. For out of Zion, for out of worship, out of listening to the word of God, shall go forth instruction. Out of the people of God shall come instruction. And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, it will not be in one specific place called Jerusalem. Instead, it will be everywhere, all over the world. I, as, as I was preparing this, I was starting to think about what is a house for? What is a house of God for? And what is your house for? Now, I've met some people who think a, a house is the final destination. Uh, they live there. They spend all their time there. All they do, and I, I'm guilty of this too, trust me. So I, I'm the biggest culprit. All they do is, uh, and, and so everything they do in life is to get to their house. But if you think about it, that's not what a house should be for. A house should be for equipping, if you have children, to teaching them and to training them and helping them be there. But you don't want the children. At least you shouldn't. Let's, that's, that's maybe where we, maybe this is where the beginning of the family ministries pastor comes in. <laughs> if you want them there till they're 60, that's probably not the healthiest situation. But your hope is that they are sent out. On a, on a journey, on an expedition, on the paths to really enjoy and experience the world and to be a part of God's mission. Your hope for a house is that you sleep in a house so that you have energy to live out your day and to, to, to enjoy God in the world that has been created. The hope is that the house would be a place where you would, a feeding station, where you would come and have some food and you would be rested and you'd be rejuvenated and you'd be sent out to go and, and, and live out an occupation that is the best job in the entire world. Now, a lot of you are sitting there going, that's why I like my house better, because my job is awful. But really, your number one job is to be the person who says, come, let us go to the house of the Lord. All the other jobs are just shadow jobs. They're just opportunities for you to, to operate as an ambassador to operate as Isaiah was at the beginning. They call Isaiah at the beginning of this, this, this particular author at the beginning of Isaiah as the great ambassador. He, these are all doors that have been opened to you to be able to say, let, come, let us say, come let us go and see. Let us go to God. All of these are opportunities. So if you work at Starbucks, you have an opportunity to connect with people who work at Starbucks in a way that no one else can because honestly, I've tried for so long and I only get like 30 seconds and they think I'm really weird. I try, though. I try. See, these are door openings for you to live out your true occupation, your true, your true calling in life, which is everybody gets to be a pastor and everybody gets to be a person who is inviting someone to come to the house of the Lord so that we may learn from God and so that we may learn to walk in God's paths. See, I've got a big smile on my face for a reason. And then we also say... Uh, he shall judge. This is, this is the part that, that is the manna. This is the bread. This is the good stuff. Because if you want to know what the, what the essence of what we're talking about is, this is it. Because it says, He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. See, that's, that's, that's the amazing part of this scripture. That's the part that we get to hold on to. That's the hope. Where we, where we, the kids are hoping that this thing will be finished really soon so they can come in. Can you hear them? It's kind of cute. The hope, though, is that this will be what takes place as a result of this. That, that nations will be no longer warring nations, but they will be peaceful nations. 
that God's mission is very distinct and very clear and that we are going to have an opportunity to be a part every time that we preach Jesus Christ and that we bring people further into this act of worship and sending, coming to and going with God. Every time we do that, we usher in a little bit more of the kingdom and more peace is spread. And it's like, I was thinking, instead of a world war, it's like a world peace that's never-ending. It's getting bigger and bigger every day. Even though you may not see it, you may be deceived at times by, by the darkness, by evil. They would want to deceive you and let you think that evil is winning the day, but it is not. Good and peace in Jesus Christ is winning the day. And last but not least, I wanted to, to go back to this idea of the first Christmas lights. Now, I get the tries. Did anybody put their Christmas lights up before I did this year? Anyone? Anyone? Love it. I win the prize. No, you did. You did. A week ago? Same day. Same day. But these were the real first Christmas lights 700 years ago. This was the light that was shining into the darkness for a lot of people who were having a really, really tough week. No, they were having a really tough life. See, they had the hope of Jesus Christ in their life, just like that candle that Reverend Griffiths had had us look at, because that was the light of Jesus Christ coming into the world 700 years before Jesus Christ was born. See, our job is to then be the light of Christ, to spread the light of Christ into the world around us. And so as you're hanging your Christmas lights either this week or next week or the week after, or maybe the day before like I, I've normally done, that you can remember that the first Christmas, the real first Christmas lights were hung up and brought into the world through this vision given to Isaiah 700 years in advance. It's a really beautiful idea. And now I'm going to offer you a challenge, just like we did this week with the free groceries. Okay, this may be a challenge for only a few of you, or maybe everyone's going to take, take me up on it. We have a thousand postcards at the back. And all of them say, come, let us go and see. Let's go up to the Lord's house. Now, that's what they, that's what hopefully God is going to be experiencing, giving people the experience of. But what they really say is, come on down next Sunday at five o'clock to a Christmas tree lighting where we'll be singing Christmas carols. Fairly innocuous to some people. But when they get there, our hope is that Jesus Christ will be shining bright and that they will, they will then experience something that will draw them into a relationship with Jesus Christ and then they will become a part of this worshiping community. So all we have the... Uh, and remember, it's a shall. And you don't have to do it through a postcard. You can do it through other ways. But we want to make sure that we give you an easy way to respond to the message every single week. And this is the easy way. You just take them and you can leave them. You can hand them to people. You can put them in your cubicles. You can put them on your desk. You can put them in mailboxes of people. They won't even know it's from you. (laughs) Or they can. You can put it on your neighbor's doorstep and say, hey, let's bring all the kids. It's going to be really fun. 30 minutes, hot chocolate, carols around the Christmas tree. And I bet you those people who come will say on Christmas Eve, I think I know a really great place to go tonight. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for giving us the beautiful responsibility of being holy envelopes to carry your message into the life of this world. Thank you for giving us the joy of of being able to bring your light into the darkness. Thank you so much that that you gave people hope 700 years ago, and you give us a hope of a glorious return, in which we know that all of these things will be fulfilled someday, that there truly will be a peace that that passes even our understanding today, that, that even our hope is too small for. Lord, we pray that 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 this would be the beginning, uh, 
as we break bread today of, of a beautiful future for, for some new person in here. As they accept you, they open the present that has been placed at their feet. They, they accept you into their lives. Lord, you are the greatest gift. We couldn't thank you for anything more than this. We, um, we thank you, God, for, for speaking into our hearts today. May the words that you say to us be permanent and written forever. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.